0: Welcome. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 25. We just heard, as William said, the old, old story. I hope that you can never get enough of it. This is a bittersweet night. We are... Entering holy ground. We are fixing our eyes on Jesus on the cross. We just heard the story. I want to read now the meaning of the story. It's an old, old story. We've heard it before. What in the world does it mean? What does it mean? Before we read, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the story of the cross, the account of the cross. How riveting it is. Every time we hear it. Made sin for us. And Lord, as we turn now to look at the meaning of the cross. In this wonderful passage, as we prepare for the table, we pray that You would open the eyes of our hearts and that we would see wonderful things, beautiful things, profound things, sobering things, life-changing things in Your Word tonight. No matter Who we are, young, old, male, female, long time member, first time visitor. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us through your word and at the table. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. First Corinthians chapter one, verses 18 through 25. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. a stumbling block to Jews, and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is God's Word. As you know, we are preparing for the table, we are preparing to hear God's Word, we're preparing for Easter, and as we begin this weekend that changed the world, I want to make just a couple of of observations about this passage. A couple of things that we see very clearly in this passage, we see world-shaped Power. We see the power of the world. And secondly, we see a very radically different power. We see Jesus shaped power. Jesus shaped power. World shaped power. The power of the world. The word of the cross is folly to those who are Perishing. You know, the cross in the ancient world, in the ancient Greco-Roman world, was a symbol of power for everybody. When people looked at the cross, they could be pagan, they could be Jewish, they could be Gentile. When they looked at the cross, that cross represented power. Social power, political power, theological, religious power. The Romans would put it this way. We are superior. You are inferior. We are in charge. Your little nation doesn't matter. Our gods are greater than your gods. Our king is greater than your king. The Romans were brutal. They would conquer entire armies of rebels and following battles hang the entire armies on crosses. Thousands of people on the roadside. Dying slow deaths on crosses. In a real sense, everybody in this culture grew up under the shadow of the cross. Those who traveled the roads on a regular basis for business or whatever other reason often walked by crosses with people hanging on them. Dying slow deaths. A recent book just published, uh, not long ago, puts it this way. Evidence from the ancient world has stressed that the point of the crucifixion was that the victim be able to see, to speak, to cry in pain and protest for hours or even days. In some cases, it was even possible for a victim to be rescued after several days and brought down from the cross in time to recover. The point of the crucifixion was a lingering extended process which added, which added horror to pain. The very word cross was meant to instill fear. You don't say cross in polite company. It's an irony now that we wear crosses around our necks and we decorate our Bibles with crosses. You wouldn't do that in the ancient world. You don't want to be associated with a cross. The book goes on. If you had actually seen a crucifixion, As many in the Roman world would have, your sleep itself would have been invaded quite possibly by nightmares and memories would come flooding flooding back. Memories of human beings half alive and half dead lingering for perhaps days on end and weeping relatives standing by and watching helplessly. Hundred years before the coming of Christ maybe you saw the movie Spartacus well there was a real Spartacus, he was a rebel he was defeated and 6,000 of his followers were hung on crosses along the Appian Way the Romans had a way of mocking their victims, you want to be high and lifted up we'll lift you high up The Gospel, of John, the Gospel of John tells us that over Jesus' head on the cross that said the King of the Jews, it was written in Aramaic and Latin and Greek, so there would be no mistaking who's in charge. That's the power of the world, isn't it? It still is. the power of the world, the wisdom of the world. It's how the world operates. And so it's little wonder as people looked at Jesus dying on a cross, they would say, this is crazy. This makes no sense. This is foolishness. Look, kings are powerful. They're warriors. They conquer people. And when they die, they lie in state and they have processions and parades and mourners. And everybody comes out to see. People don't run away. They celebrate in a sense and remember the King. For me, as I have preached a number of of these things through the years, it's almost harder... For me, anyway. Maybe for you. It's almost harder to envision God going to a cross than it is the resurrection. I I can understand the power and the glory and the joy conquering death. Everybody can see the glory. The risen Christ. But God going to a cross? God submitting himself to this? This symbol of Roman power. For the Romans, Jesus was simply one more rebel rabbi dying on a cross. They didn't see it. They didn't see that there's another power at work here. Jesus-shaped Power. Is the 21st century much different from the 1st century? Is the modern world much different from the ancient world? If you listen closely, you will hear power language everywhere in our culture. People constantly writing about and talking about and displaying and wanting to discuss power. I couldn't... It was, this was hard for me to believe. I went to Amazon and I did a search for books published with the word power. Over 400,000 books have been published with the word power. Amazing. It's social, it's political, it's theological. I'm going to compete with you, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to dominate you, I'm going to be in the in crowd, you're not. Or maybe maybe I'll be willing to to dicker with you to make a bargain with you you give to me I'll give to you reciprocity it's probably the same way with God either he's absolutely powerful or maybe he'll make a deal with me but it's crazy it's foolish that God would go to a cross a roman symbol of power a symbol of defeat And you see where we're going. God takes this gruesome symbol of Roman power and stands it on its head. Turns it completely upside down. Gives it new meaning. And overcomes it with the new power of sacrificial love. Don't ever see Jesus as a passive victim. Jesus chose to be born in a manger. He chose to grow up in a family where he lost his earthly father at a young age. He chose to live a life in which he was constantly challenged and hounded and threatened. He chose. To go to the Garden of Gethsemane and take the cup of God's wrath and drink it. He chose to die on a cross. All out of sacrificial love and turning the meaning of power upside down. John 10.17 says, For this reason the Father loves me, says Jesus, Because I lay down my life and I take it up again. Jonathan Edwards, the great American writer and pastor, puts it this way in an imagined conversation between the Father and the Son. Here's Jesus. Why should I? Why should I? I, who have been living from all eternity in the enjoyment of the the Father's love, go cast myself into a furnace for them. Why should I? Why should I yield myself to be crushed by the weight of divine wrath for those who don't love me? How shall I be the richer for having saved a number of miserable sinners? who don't deserve to be saved. And then he says this, His sorrows abounded, but His love abounded more. That's the message of the cross. That's turning power upside down. His his sorrows abounded, but his love abounded more. Christ's soul was overwhelmed with a deluge of grief, but this was from a deluge of love to sinners in his heart, sufficient to overflow the entire world. Those great drops of blood that fell to the ground were a manifestation of an ocean of love in Christ's heart. Do you realize that Jesus was the only person who ever lived who was perfectly obedient to God and did exactly what God told Him to do and He got cursed for it? To all of us, God says, follow me, trust me, obey me, love me, and I will bless you except for one. Follow me, trust me, love me, obey me, and you'll die on a cross. And you will say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you'll be perfectly obedient, only one. One. Isaiah 53 puts it straightforward. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace on him and by his wounds, we are healed. You see, the essence of sin is when we put ourselves where only God deserves to be. The essence of salvation is when God puts himself where only we deserve to be. How profound it must have been when Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul What shall a man give in return for his soul Have you ever in your life in the the quiet times the difficult times said God this doesn't make sense What 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 you're doing in my life right now makes no sense It's crazy. It seems so foolish. Remember the cross. Have you ever wondered what God has ever done for you? Remember the cross. Have you ever doubted Him? Have you ever doubted His love? His goodness and His kindness? I have. Remember the cross. Has anybody ever said to you, where's your God? So where's your God? Remember the cross. Have you ever been tempted to give up? Remember the cross. Have you ever had enough of yourself? You know, I've had enough of myself a lot. I'm tired of living with myself. Bless Cindy. I'm tired of my sin. My selfishness. My pride. Remember the cross. Jesus says to all of us, Now, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. In the words of the old him, The wonderful words of the old hymn, Nothing in my hands I bring, Simply to the cross I cling. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Remember the cross. Remember how he turns the power and the wisdom of the world upside down and says, now you pick up your cross, you follow me. I have died in your place for your sin, your curse. You have eternal life, eternal joy, and Easter is coming. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Let's pray. Lord, we, in the quiet of an evening like this, when the world is, is rushing around all around us and we have much to think about and we've got responsibilities and busyness and tensions and anxieties and great joys and things we're looking forward to doing later this evening, we pray that we would be moved in our minds, moved in our emotions, but mostly moved in our hearts, our deepest loves and deepest longings would be fixed on Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus who brings grace and mercy and love and justice. And yes, we follow Him and we, we are so weak in doing so. And yet we live in the the joy of the resurrection, the joy of the work of Jesus on our behalf on the cross. We pray that as we sing and as we come to the table, meet us. We need you. We don't want to play games. We're tired of, of being lost. Tired of our, ourselves. Tired of wondering. We need what only you can give. Contentment. Joy. Comfort. Peace. Eternal life. We pray all these things in the name of Him who came. Such a great, great distance for us. The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.